And while you're turning there, let me say thank you, uh, church family, for all the cards and uh, notes that were given to us on Sunday night. And what a blessing going through those. And uh, I've often felt this over the years, um, how blessed we are to have a, a loving church family. And I feel spoiled. You make me feel spoiled. And um, I wish every pastor and pastor's wife had what the Lord's given us. We've often felt that way. So anyway, thank you so very much. And somebody, Brother Jeff put in his card, uh, let's go another 27 or something like that. So he just raised the bar. Did you let your wife know that? You did? Okay, all right. She signed off on that. So anyway... But what a what a delightful thing. So thank you for your thoughtfulness. Proverbs in chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. And we left off at verse number 14 on last Wednesday night. I'm going to jump right back in where we left off. Heavenly Father, please through the power of the Holy Spirit, communicate thy truth through me tonight. This is your word and it is powerful. It's alive. It cuts. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces It divides asunder the soul and the spirit. It exposes the inside and tells us things about ourselves. So may we come with open minds and hearts and spirit to receive the instruction of thy word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we've been talking about this naughty person, this troublemaker, this froward man in the verses that precede. And we're going to learn something about his plight here in a moment. The Bible called him in verse 12 a naughty man, a wicked man, and a froward man. This is a man, that word froward again means perverse, and it's a lot like our word twisted. Uh, He winks, he speaks, and he teaches with his eyes, his feet, and his fingers. He's always got two different conversations going on. You can't trust a man like this. He's froward in his heart. There's something wrong in his heart. He devises mischief that's hurtful to others, and he sows discord. And this is the kind of man that gets himself in trouble and gets others in trouble. Now look at the plight of this man. Verse 15, therefore, which ties what we read to what we're getting ready to read, therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. What's the next word? Suddenly. (laughs) How's that for emphasis? Suddenly shall he be broken Without remedy, this twisted man, this froward man, this perverse man, this troublemaker, the Bible says, suddenly, suddenly is going to face calamity. Calamity is a great misfortune, a great misfortune. You know, you can hoodoo people so long. You can. And you can lie to folks, you get by with things and so forth like that, and you might find some advantage in it for a season of your life. But guess what? You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. And the man that's up to mischief, the man that sows discord, it'll catch up with him. And the Bible said he'll face suddenly, sudden calamity. Suddenly, a failed marriage. Suddenly, uh, wind up in jail. Suddenly, uh, get shot, get a beating. Uh, be found out and held accountable financially. Um, 
The little phrase without remedy means there's no way to repair it. Now, you know what? Sometimes you get yourself in a mess and you can make amends and you can, you can fix it and you can go back and, and, and uh, patch some things up. But you know what? Sometimes you can make a mess of your life and there's no fixing it. There's no fixing it. And um, I, I remember uh, writing in the, in the column of my Bible over here and uh, one of the patriarchs whose son... Uh, 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 whose son married out of spite for his parents. Now, that's a sorry reason to marry. He married out of spite for his parents. So I'm going to marry this guy because I know mama won't like it. That's a sorry reason to get married. And uh, I, I wrote next to that little story, I thought, those unholy ties become permanent ties. Now, young people, that may say something. Let me talk to you for just a minute. Before you say, well, it's my life and it's my decision. I'll marry whoever I want to, whenever I want to. Ain't nobody going to tell me. Would you keep in mind that you're just about to mingle into your family who has tried to walk with God and tried to live for Jesus Christ and a family that loves the Lord, loves the book, loves the things of God, and you're getting ready to make permanent ties. It's not just your life. It's the life of all the people who loved you and invested in you. You get ready to tie all them together. And those become permanent ties. And um, before, you, before, you, before you do something perverted, just perverse, just because you can, you ought to stop and think about that. Verse number 16. These six things, excuse me, verse 15. Uh, 16. Oh, they're both good. 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Seven things God hates. Seven things God hates. Can I tell you something, uh, 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 church family? Uh, God's love is commensurate with his hatred. Just as cold, the, the degree of cold is dependent. You can't have cold if you don't have hot. You understand? You can't have extreme cold unless you have extreme hot. And... Uh, the idea that God is love is true. But that's only a portion of God's character. God is love. But the Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. The Bible says that God hates. God hates. Now, the devil would love nothing more than for God's people to fall into this sticky, sweet, synthetic kind of a Christianity it says God is love and, and God and we ought to love and that's all we ought to do is love and good God and good good everybody, good devil, good everything. Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, there's a God and He's holy and He's just and He's right and His love is everlasting and, and, and uh, He is also going to hold sin accountable. He's a jealous God, the Bible says. And, uh, and He hates. And here's six things the Bible said that He hates. You know what? Um, if we could ever hate the sin in ourselves as much as we hate the sin in others, we might have some idea of what his book is all about. Brother Howe said that. 
I heard him say it. If we could ever hate the sin in ourselves as much as we hate the sin in others, we might have some idea what this book is all about. You know it's easy to hate sin in someone else's life, isn't it? Now let's look at these three. He says at these six things, excuse me, seven things. Number, verse number uh, 17. Here, you can mark them as we go along. Number one, a proud look. A proud look. A proud look. Uh, Will, are you running to... Okay. Uh, in just a moment, I'll have you pull this picture up. In just a moment, i give you the cue. So I, I went on Amazon to buy something. Hit the uh, Amazon button, and I'm going to buy me something off of Amazon. And uh, and uh, as, 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 as it opened up, I hit the little button there, and they said uh, the, the latest... Uh, uh, oh, uh, I forget how it's worded. Uh, the hit music, the the latest rap uh, top charts of rap music. Now I have no clue who these people are. I'm getting ready to show you. I have no clue who they are. I just came up, so I guess they want me to click on that, see what the latest rap hit is, so I'll buy it. But I want you to notice the countenance. I don't know these people from Adam. Uh, pull that up there. You have that picture? That's what I saw, those pictures right there. And they had names under I, I removed the names. But I thought of this first as soon as I looked at those pictures. Isaiah 3, but 9. The show of their countenance doth witness against them. They declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Can I do something about the, it was indicative about Sodom they didn't, they didn't care. They, they did not hide their sin. And you know, America's that way. People ought to be ashamed of the way they conduct themselves, the way they walk down the street, the way they behave in public. And there's nobody blushes anymore, it seems. There's no shame. A proud look. The Bible said God resisted the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Now, I'll say this. It's not hard to see pride on someone's face. But really, we can't deal with anybody else, can we? We've got to go look in the mirror, don't we? And the times that we wanted our way and stubbornly dug in and wanted our way. <clears throat> and uh, that's where we need to confess. You know, the greatest, probably the greatest display of pride in our life is our prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is, I got this, I don't need God, I don't need to pray about this. I can I can run through my day, I'm busy for the Lord. And we don't take time to say, God, I need you, I need you, I need you, i got to have your help. And uh, pride is self-sufficiency, I don't, I don't need God. You, you pride can manifest itself in more than one ways. I'm better than you. It can also manifest itself in a pitiful, uh, uh, you know, trying to get attention. But, but pride is, is, is uh, I, 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 I focus on me. And prayerlessness is my saying, I don't need God. I got this. I can work my way through. I can push my way through. But uh, we need God, don't we? We need God. A proud look. Number two, a lying tongue. You see that there? In verse number 17, mark that, number that in your Bible. A proud look. God said, I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. A proud look. A lying tongue. God said, I hate that. I hate that. We've gotten to the place in our society 
we, our kids, I'm, listen, I'm afraid our kids have grown up with the adults in their lives lying. The kids know they're lying and they think nothing about it. And God said, I hate that. He said, oh, I just, oh, this was like a big lie of consequence. The Bible doesn't say God hates big lies. It said, he said he hates a lying tongue. He hates it. And just because it doesn't bother me doesn't mean it doesn't bother God. Amen? A lying tongue. Boy, you know what? It's not, it's not always easy to be truthful. The Bible talks about the man who sweareth to his own hurt. He makes a promise and makes a commitment. And even if it hurts him, he's going to keep his commitment, going to keep his promise. God's people, our, our word ought to mean something. Ought to mean something. He said, well, I didn't mean to lie. We don't think. We don't stop and think. You know, uh, uh, again, I want to go back to that little story in the New Testament. Remember the story in the New Testament uh, that Jesus is teaching and he said, uh, there's a man came and he said, son, why don't you go help me in my, in my field? He said, I ain't going. I'm not doing it. Okay. So he went to another son. He said, son, help me in my field. He said, oh, I'd be glad to, dad. I'll be right there. But he never went. Later, the first one came back and said, I'm sorry. I should have said yes, but I'll go ahead and go. Then Jesus said, which one was the obedient one? The one who said no, but went later? Or the one who said, yeah, I'll be glad to go. And never went. Who's the obedient one? The first one. And he didn't vote right away, but he got with it later, didn't he? You know what sometimes we do? We give our words so quickly, we make commitments and we don't really think. And you know what we make ourselves? We make ourselves a liar. Well, I wasn't trying to be deceitful. You can be deceitful. By being careless. And many a person has become a liar and has a lying tongue. Look, okay, let me help you. If your word can't be trusted, if people don't take you seriously when you make a commitment, then you ought to ponder this thing. You say, is there something in my life and God hates it? He hates it? Can you be completely transparent and honest when someone asks you about incidental things? Can you tell a story and actually tell the facts of the story rather than give impressions that make you look a little better? Can you just tell the truth? The Bible said God God hates a lying tongue. That ought to sober all of us. Number three, he says, verse number 17, hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood. Folks, let me say this. Capital punishment is biblical. It is biblical. Genesis, all the way back in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Roman, that's, that's Old Testament of course. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. And in Romans 13, uh, uh, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive uh, to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil wilt thou not. Then not be afraid of the power, the authority. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. Listen to this. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God. 
a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. The Old Testament prophet said this, Because judgment is not executed speedily, therefore wickedness rises in the land. That's not quite word for word, but it's close. Because judgment is uh, is not that's uh, justice is not executed speedily. Do you know one reason why crime is so rampant in this country? You can kill a man, and then for the next thirty five years, the people that work and pay taxes in this country will feed you, pay for your television, take care of you, give you a workout room, and for the next thirty five years, while you run the gamut of appeals. Until finally, either you get out or they decide to keep you in there so we can keep you up the rest of your life. Now, let me, now you say, Pastor, you're, you're cruel. That's because you don't know the Bible. The Bible says, whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And Romans 13 says that civil authority is given by God. They are the ministers of God to execute wrath on those that do evil. Those who do evil in the Bible, are authorized by God himself to be executed. That's Bible. That's Bible. And because we do not deal with crime immediately, this the nonsense is going on in our country. And uh, good night. Uh, some of these cities... We're not going to enforce anything. You, you steal all the way up to $999. And here's what you get. Slap on the wrist. What do we think is going to happen? And I'm telling you, I, I'm for mercy. I'm for grace. I'm for second chances. But brothers and sisters, God is a God of justice. And if you are, if you are not held accountable, it won't take long. It won't take long. Until that thing will get away from you, uh, crime in the last two years has skyrocketed around the nation, but particularly in our large cities, especially in our large cities with socialistic ideas. People trying to run the city with socialistic ideas. I, listen, the Robert Taylor homes were built under the false notion that a man is a product of his environment. We drove by them for years. Seven years I was in the Chicagoland area. I drove by those 14-story Robert Taylor homes where they took people and said, we're going to put them in a new apartment building and, and take care of them. And that way they won't misbehave because they'll have dignity. They'll have a nice place to live. Let me tell you something. By the time I left, they tore them down. Now, shortly after I left, they tore them down. Why? Because they turned into war zones. Literally. Literally. Right? Do you know? Literally shooting at each other from building to building. A man is not the product of his environment. A man is a product of the choices that he makes in response to his environment and his circumstances. And I got news for you. You can choose right and you can choose wrong. The best of homes can produce an evil kid. And the worst of homes can produce a kid that's a decent kid that loves God. Why? Because ultimately, you make your own choices and you deal with the consequences of your choices. I was in the last uh, Tuesday morning. 
I didn't want to say it, but I thought it. I was thinking it. I didn't want to say it, and I didn't say it. And my brother-in-law brought it up. So Julia was uh, delivered by uh, C-section, stillborn, about 11 p.m. the night before. And it was about uh, 10 o'clock the next morning, and I was sitting there holding her. Perfect, just perfect little baby girl. She's with the Lord already, but I'm, I'm there holding her body. And and I thought, I'm looking at her, just beautiful little thing. I thought in my mind, what kind of sick person, what kind of twisted, evil thought process would somehow justify snuffing out the life of a little child like this? I wasn't going to say that. My sister's lying in the bed there. She just... That's grieving her baby's loss. I, I might have been, might have been. I don't remember. I can't remember if it was my sister or my brother-in-law. But one of them said something to the effect, can you imagine a person thinking that somehow it's okay to take the life of one of these little babies? I said, I've been sitting here thinking the same thing. There's nothing any more evil, more sadistic. It's the safest place in the world ought to be the womb of a mother. Ought to be the safest place in the world. God hates. That's what the book says. He hates. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. Mount Gezer in Israel. In 1902, a British archaeologist by the name of Callister noticed, sticking out of the ground, some stones, and they were evenly spaced. He began to excavate, and he found 12 standing stones. You can go to Giza, you can visit this site. And he uh, documented what he found. I looked at the book, it's in PDF form, you can find it, and I looked at this, his finding and his documentation of his... Uh, archaeology 120 years ago now. And he found in that, I think I have a picture of it. This is uh, this is Geezer. There's the standing stones you can see. That huge stone in the middle, it's hard to really get the idea of, of, of how those are huge stones. And just the top of those stones were sticking above the ground. He excavated that and found what uh, they uh, were able to determine was a Canaanite, uh, particularly an Amorite high place. And, of course, the Amorites were Canaanites. And a uh, high place. And in that open place on that stone were children, baby children, babies, bones all mingled together. It was a place of sacrifice. There were jars around this, uh, this site. And those jars had in them uh, decapitated children, the, their bones, heads found elsewhere. There's, there on this site was uh, uh, children cut in half. And they tell that by the spinal cord, the bones, the spinal cord cut in half. You say, that's sick and disgusting. And that is sick and disgusting. Let me tell you something. What happens up there on Battleground Avenue in Greensboro is just sick and disgusting to God Almighty is what happened on that stone right there. 
Just because you put on a white coat and call yourself a doctor doesn't mean God hates what you're doing any less than what he hated. That's why he wiped the Amorites off the face of the earth. God hates a proud look. He hates a lying tongue. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. He hates, in verse 18, this is the fourth, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. A word image, of course, is akin to that imagination. He hates wicked thoughts and images. God hates wicked thoughts and images. Now, friends, listen to me. Fornication is a Greek word, pornea, from which we get our word pornography. If you want to invite demonic influence into your home, you click on pornographic pictures, turn turn you on some rock music, some filthy rock and roll music, use drugs, and you open yourself wide open to demonic influence in your life. The word sorcery in Revelation twenty one eighteen is a word is a Greek word pharmacia from which we get our word pharmacy. Drugs open you. I don't know how many times in the last I don't know how many times I've heard people talk about how drugs have affected their minds. I've pastored people who knew their minds were permanently affected by the drugs they took in years past. But you open yourself up to demonic influence. Rock music opens a door to demonic influence. Pornography opens a door to demonic influence. And the Bible said God hates it. I said God hates it. God hates it. Let the words in my mouth and meditation in my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord. Job said, uh, uh, the psalmist said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Jesus in Matthew said, if you look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already in your heart. You know what you do? You open yourself up to a very, very dark and sinister world. And God hates that crowd. I said God hates that crowd. This crowd that wants to butcher our babies and and put wicked, evil thoughts in the minds of our kids, God hates it. Most of you know this, and I don't want to become a news agency here where we study the Bible, but this is a current event. Uh, Most of you know that um, California uh, has uh, put these billboards up. This is a billboard that you'll find in Oklahoma. You won't find this in California. It's in Texas. How many of you have seen this in the news? Seen this in the news? Gavin Newsom, who wants to be governor of California... An absolute God hater, Gavin Newsom is paying for these billboards to be put in other states, conservative states, that are pushing back against abortion. Now, look carefully. Here's what it says Need an abortion? California is ready to help. Visit abortion, uh, California.gov to learn more. Now, if you can't see it, now, listen, look how sinister this is. And it's a perversion of the verse, but he puts a scripture verse on this billboard. Mark twelve thirty one. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. You talk about twisted. Defending the right 
to rip a baby out of a mother's womb, to poison a baby, to dismember a baby in its mother's womb is equated to loving your neighbor. That's sick. That's demented. That is what the Bible calls a reprobate mind. That's a mind that's so twisted. Uh, I read a little thing by Senator Ron Johnson, who's a good man. I can't remember where he, what state he's with. Some of you might know. I don't know. Senator Ron Johnson, a good man. What is it? Wisconsin. Thank you. He's a God-fearing man. And he's talking about, he was watching a college football game with his children. He has some young children at home. And what I read, he said, he said, he, he just as quick as he could, he grabbed a remote. He's watching a college football game, a commercial comes on, and just as, as fast as he could, grab the remote, turn that thing off. And what it was, was an advertisement for a Walt Disney produced cartoon uh, Little Demon and this is his words complete with satanic symbols witchcraft demonic activity nudity and violence it's cartoon cartoon now I'm going to tell you something Our God is a holy God. He's a holy God. And godliness can be measured by how much God's people love the things that God loves and hates the things that God hates. Let me say it again. Godliness can be measured by how much we love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. Number five. They, in verse number 18 here, uh, feet, excuse me, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Mark that, that's number five. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. Uh, This is somebody who's quick to join up with the wrong crowd. Mischief is harm to another. This is yet another of many, many warnings against bad associations throughout the book of Proverbs. By the way, you know, it's an amazing thing. You know, bad crowds attract each other. You ever notice that? Bad crowds attract each other. I promise you. You get a group of kids together, and here comes a new one in the crowd. And it doesn't take long for, if somebody's got a sour attitude, it don't take long to find somebody else with a sour attitude. Now, you, you ought to have enough sense. Young people, listen to me carefully. And big people, you ought to have enough sense. A man asked me, he said, Pastor, would it be a sin for me if I went to a bar just to drink a Coca-Cola? I said, well, first of all, we both know you've had trouble with drink. Second of all, you have a testimony to think about. Third of all, it's foolish for you to think you can go hang around that crowd and not be tempted and drug back in there with them. This is what's happened in the last two years. Last year, 2021, for the first time, we passed 100, as a country, for the first time since keeping records, we passed 100,000 
overdose deaths in America. The number one killer, 2021 data has come out, the number one killer now, brand new, number one killer of 18 to 45-year-olds in America is fentanyl. The vast majority of which is produced by communist China and brought into the United States by the Mexican drug cartels. It's pouring over our southern border. And it is, it's being sold in pills. They're pink and yellow and bright colors. They look like Skittles, look like candy. I watched a, 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 a portion of a documentary on this. All over this country, children are dying in their own homes. They can get on Snapchat, and they can solicit, and they can purchase on Snapchat. They can purchase a pill. They're sitting on the couch with their family. Mama's here. Dad's there watching television. Here's the kid. Buys one of these pills. And says, I'm, I'm on, uh, and just gets up and says whatever. I'm going outside and check them out, whatever. And you, you, you make the appointment on, through Snapchat. They'll come and they'll stick a little package under a bush, wherever you tell them. Stick it in the post office, in the box, put it over here, put it in the back tire, underneath the back tire. They'll go out there, get their drug, say, I'm going, I'm going to my room. Go upstairs, put that pill in their mouth. They're, they're dying in their own homes. I prayed for Miss Elisa the other morning. And she told me about a story she saw of a 13-year-old boy that was with some bad kids. And they said, try this, try this, try this, try this. And he put it in his mouth. He made it sick, 13-year-old boy. And he vomited and threw it up. His friends took the pill, stuck it back in his mouth, and it killed him. That was in the last two weeks. I have right here a letter from uh, Ashley Moody, the Attorney General of the State of Florida, dated July 18, 2022. The Honorable, to the Honorable Joseph R. Biden, Jr., President of the United States, White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington, D.C., regarding declare fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. Dear Mr. President, this is the Attorney General of the State of Florida. 58,220 Americans died in the Vietnam War. Seven months ago, the CDC released its provisional data for drug overdose deaths for 2021. For the first time in this country's history, more than 100,000 Americans died from drug overdoses. 75,673 of those overdose deaths were from opioids, primarily fentanyl. In the last two years, more than double the Americans who died in the entire Vietnam War have died from synthetic opioids. Fentanyl has become the leading cause of death among adults ages 18 to 45, claiming more young lives than COVID-19, cancer, car accidents, or suicide. Fentanyl impacts more than those who use it. It can kill first responders and good Samaritans who seek to resuscitate overdosed users. I went to the CDC website to verify what she put in this letter. And sure enough, there's instructions to first responders how to keep yourself from being contaminated and... uh, and, uh, and harmed. 
I am not equivocating overdose deaths of Americans to those of Americans who fought and gave their last full measure of devotion for this country. I provide those numbers to give context to the stark carnage that this country is experiencing. Fentanyl has hit the state of Florida hard like many other states across this country, and the death toll is increasing at an alarming exponential rate. And she goes on. There's another page of that letter. I won't take time to read it. One of our ladies is here uh, tonight in this service, told me about a family member, 47-year-old family member, who was buried a week ago tomorrow, 29th of September. 47-year-old man, grew up in a Baptist church, got uh, hooked on alcohol, Became a drunkard. But he got saved as a young adult man. Years as a drunkard. Got saved as a young adult man. Went to church faithfully. With his wife. With his three children. He had a business. He quit alcohol. For 15 years. Listen to me. This is last Thursday. They buried him. 47 years old. For 15 years, he was alcohol-free. And about 10 days ago, an old buddy came by with a shot of liquor. Oh, yeah, for old time's sake. And he took that drink, and then another, and then another, and he literally drank for three days and literally drank himself to death in three days. Fifteen years clean. In church with his wife, three children. And he's gone. I remember uh, Brother um Brother Dean Miller, senior, preaching on chapel, preaching on college chapel, and telling the story. I've told it before, and, I, and Dean Miller's when I first heard it. He told a story about a boy. He, he, he wasn't really in the in crowd much, but some old buddies came, and they're the wrong crowd. And he was a good kid; he didn't get in trouble. But some buddies came by and said, "Hey, you want to take a ride?" He's like, "Oh wow, man! These guys are paying attention to me." He jumped in this boy's hot rod car and got in the back seat. Two boys on either side. He's sitting in the middle of the back seat. They're talking, and uh, the driver of the car had been dating a girl, and Dad put a stop to it, and he was furious about that. He drove by the house of the girl where Dad had nixed that relationship with his daughter. And he thought he'd have a good time. He whipped into the yard and hit the gas and threw grass up, threw gravel in the driveway up, went on down the road. Had so much fun. He said, we'll do that again. He turned back around, went back down the same gravel driveway, spinning around in the yard, out the driveway, down the road. And about that time, Dad stepped on the front porch with his rifle and just shot at the car. Pow. One person was hit and killed. The boy in the back seat in the middle. That wasn't even his crowd. 
He didn't run with them. He didn't behave like them. The Bible said this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Listen to it. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You don't have to be a fool to be destroyed. You just got to be a companion of fools. Hang out with them. And then lastly, he says this. Excuse me, two more. Verse 19, a false witness that speaketh lies. A false witness that speaketh lies. A false witness is a lie that's meant to harm another. Let me read to you just for for time's sake. Let me, I'll, I'll just read it to you. Exodus 23, 1, 2, and 3. Thou shalt not raise a false report. Put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest W-R-E-S-T, which means to twist judgment. That's the word for justice in this context. Neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest or twist judgment, which is what you do when you repeat evil reports that you cannot validate. You go with the crowd to twist judgment or justice. Neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. God said you don't twist Judgment, listen to Leviticus 19.15. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. God said you don't countenance a man because he's poor or because he's wealthy, because he can do something for you or pity him because he's poor. He said, no, sir. He said, uh, equal justice under the law. That's a common phrase you hear today. That's a biblical thought. At what's right for the for the authority is right for the poorest among us. What is right for one is right for the other. What's wrong for one is wrong for the other. And God said, you don't cast your voice in there to add to a twisting of justice. You don't repeat a lie and add to the harm. And then lastly, verse number 19, he that soweth discord among the brethren... Sowing discord among God's people. God hates it. God hates it. God hates it. Proverbs 22.10. Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. This is a person that tries to pit other people, the people against one another. Listen to John 15.13. Greater love hath no man than this, than, that, uh, than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Let's do it again. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Loving, the greatest of all loves, is putting aside your interests and promoting uh, 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 for someone else. Not promoting your interests, but laying your life, your interests, your desires, your dreams, your wants, your needs aside for another person. That's the greatest of all loves. Now listen carefully. If you have to slight someone else to secure a friendship, what you have secured is not friendship. The Bible says a friend loveth at all times. Friends are loyal. I asked, listen, I asked Dr. Williams, 87 years old, he'll preach for us here in a few weeks. I said, Dr. Williams, and this is one of the sad things to me. Some of the great, great men um, 
Sometimes they kind of get forgotten in their, in their elder years. I said, Dr. Williams, I don't understand. He, I said, and I love him. You, you all know I love him. I said, when you preach with the power that you, more power than I've ever heard you preach and all your life. And I've been hearing him since I was a little, little tight. I said, I don't understand why you're not on platforms all over America. And uh, Dr. Williams used to preach on Bible colleges all over this country. Now listen to me. I will be careful the way I say this. I said, why not? He said, I'll tell you why. Because a prominent man of God was accused. And I did what Matthew teaches, and I went and talked to him personally. I didn't believe gossip. I went and talked to him personally. And he said, based on my personal talking with him, I asked him bluntly. He said, I stood by my friend. And he said, pastors all over this country said, if you don't turn your back on that preacher, you'll never preach for us again. And that loyal man said, let me tell you something. You don't choose my friends. Have you done what the Bible says? Have you spoken to the man who's been accused? And I'll tell you something. Loyalty is just about gone in this country. It's common for folks to stab each other in the back. The Bible said God hates those who sow discord among God's people. Somebody walked up to me and handed me the newspaper years ago. And if you're in this room, you did this. I mean, it's personal against you. I don't remember who did it. I don't remember who did it. And handed me the newspaper. Said, do you know about this? A front page article on Ashburn newspaper about, well, I don't know if it's front page. Article in the newspaper here in Ashburn. Um, about the principal at Fayetteville Street Christian School. I said, I don't need to know that. No, it's important, Pastor. You know, I don't need to know that. I'm not responsible for Fayetteville Street Christian School or whatever goes on down the street. I'm not responsible for that. I never read the article. But I knew the pastor who told me later, he said, he said, Brother John, he said, the accuser, after the principal was accused, after he stepped down, lost his position, had to leave the school, leave his ministry, relocate his family. A year and a half later, the accuser came forward and said, well, I was just mad. I just said that because I was mad. After man's life was destroyed. Can, can I tell you something? The Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, Something should be established. The establishment there, without going back and teaching the whole thing, Deuteronomy 19, but in that, it, two or three witnesses establishes this is a matter that needs to be investigated. Go back and study it. This is a matter that needs to be investigated. And you know where the investigation starts in Deuteronomy 19? With the accuser. And do you know what the penalty was if it was found that the accuser was not being truthful? Whatever the penalty was, if you accuse somebody of murder, that brought a death penalty. If you accuse somebody of murder and you have two witnesses come forward and they say, we know this man killed us, we saw this, all right, then you start the investigation. First thing you do, you investigate the accusers. And if it's found that the accusers were lying, they were executed. Well, that'd change a lot of things in this country, wouldn't it? 
one more story. Uh, pastor, uh, church here in this county. This is this is years before I was ever here, but one of the men who was there at the church was a member now, and uh, was a member here at, at one time, and, and is serving in another ministry now. But anyway, told me this story. Uh, the church was uh, church was uh, uh, independent fundamental Baptist church. A, a young pastor came in, started winning souls to Christ. Ran a buses, uh, uh, witnessing. The church was on the move. Got the, uh, just a small church up to 300-some people. Hired an assistant pastor who systematically began to steal the hearts of the people by sliding, starting with just slights, you know, uh, you know, our pastor, you know, the, uh, not that educated, you know. Sliding the pastor, stole the hearts of the people. The Sunday night, they took a vote. And voted the pastor out of the church. This is what happened. Listen to this. He said, I accept your decision. Let me show you what you've done. He said, if I led you to Christ, or I visited you in your home, and you were out of church, but you got back in church because I came to your home, or I personally won you to Jesus Christ, stand to your feet. 90% 90% of the crowd stood to their feet. He said, now, if you're in this church because that man right there won you to Christ or personally got you to come to church, stand to your feet, nobody stood. He said, that's what you've just done. And turned to walk away. That church is still in existence, but it has never thrived since that day. It went down, down, down. God hates those who sow discord among the brethren. Let's pray. Amen. Father, these are sobering words.